Blog Talk Radio. countries so 
my question to you is, why in the world would you not want to be on this show? Either a running ad or be a guest on this show. You would have an opportunity to be heard in places like Australia, who is our biggest listening base on the show. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. In New Zealand, Japan, Iran, China, Egypt, Israel, Europe, all over Europe, Portugal, Spain, Greece, Italy, England, Scotland, Wales. I mean, we're everywhere. We're in Israel. We're in Africa. We're in Nigeria. We're in South Africa. We're in Nairobi. There's places I've never even heard of they listen to us. So, So my question again is, why would you not want to be on the show? So... There's two ways to be, and, and I'm a, the, the year is filling up fast. I am already into November and December bookings. I am filled up through the end of October. So if you want to get on the show this year, you need to contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com because I am getting into the last two months of 2018, believe it or not. Now, there's two ways. You can come on the guest on the show as a guest, or you can be a sponsor on the show. And for ten bucks a month, I'm not in it to to be rich. It's just for ten bucks a month. Whether I run ten shows, whether I run twenty shows, I run your ad. And if for as most of you know, my husband is very ill. He is on the backside of this journey. And if I have to reschedule shows, I carry your ad over. You, you it's a win-win. You don't lose anything. So contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com to either be on the show or run an ad. Either one, I'll tell you how to do them. It's, it's, it's easy as, as sitting on a log, as they say in Georgia or in the South. Just get in contact with me. With that being said, I want to quickly run two sponsors by that have been with me forever. I absolutely adore them. And because of this, the ad, this one sponsor's books hit number one in the country of Australia. Her name is Diane Mode, and she is an author, and she has a book series. It's called the Sam Holden Series, and this is what it's about. The first one is called Dog Gone, and the second one is called um, Dog Fight. And it goes like this. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect said animal, she'll be there, and she isn't giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam wor- Sam's world while she circles his. As they chase each other, will Sam put those that she loves most in harm's way in order to break up the ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever lead. Go, no, you can't go now. You've got to wait till after the show. But go on Amazon, on Kindle, and look up Diane Mote, and you can find Dog Fight and also the first book, Dog Gone. She is an indie author, so give her some love and support. The second sponsor who's been with me forever, God love her, her name is Cece Chamberlain, and she has a podcast called Inside Your Life with Cece. It is a motivational, passionate conversation. 
She interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether it's a professional boxer, an author, or even a history enthusiast. Cece strives to give you hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. Download, subscribe, and listen as Cece guides you to pursue your dreams for you to live your best life. Her show is available on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are available. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been on that show, and when I got off that show, I felt reborn, rejuvenated, and recharged. So check out both of those ladies, and like I said, I'm booked up through the end of October. We're working on November and December even as I speak. So if you want to get on the show, just Contact me on offthechainradio at yahoo.com. Tonight's show, this gentleman has been so patient. He has waited quite a few months. This is how backed up we are. He's waited quite a few months to be on this show, and I am forever grateful that he was so patient with me. He is an Alabama-born native. He is, as as I like to say, we're from the South. We're all brothers and sisters when we're from the South. We might not come from the same bloodline, but when you're from the South, you're cousins. It doesn't matter. He lives in Merritt Island, which is about an hour and a half north of me. His name is John I. Jones. Middle name is Isaac, but he goes by John I. He is a retired journalist currently living, like I said, in Merritt Island. And for more than 30 years, John I., was a reporter for media outlets throughout the world. These included local newspapers in his native Alabama, the National Enquirer, Inquiring Minds Want to Know, News of the World in London, the Sydney Morning Herald, and NBC Television. He is the author of five novels, a short story collection, and three novellas, and we will get into those. But before we do, y'all know I love to tease you. We have to find out about John. Because, as you know, what John writes is not the brand. John is the brand, and inquiring minds need to know these things. Welcome, John. Thank you for spending an hour with me. Thank you, Thank you for having me, Yvonne. Thank you very much. Well, I need to know, when you were a young whippersnapper in, in the southern state of Alabama, was it always your desire to write, or was this something that you came upon as you begin your journey? That's a, that's a good question. When I was, uh, I grew up on a farm, and my mother, my mother was a nurse, and consequently she wanted to guide me into the medical profession. And from early on, she wanted me to be a doctor, and. I I thought about it and thought about it and wanted to make her happy, but by the time I was ready to go to college, I you know I didn't I didn't have the patience to uh, to to put nine ten years into college. So my mother said, "Well, said John, try to stay in in the in the medical field." So I I studied pharmacy for three years at Auburn University, and finally I discovered that I was doing something somebody else wanted me to do rather than what I wanted to do. And so I just put a halt to everything and stopped. I just stopped my life and roamed around for about three years, four years. I was in New Orleans. I was in New Orleans. I was in Los Angeles. I wandered out to Montana. wandered out to Colorado. And I kept reading about writers. And I learned that 
the common denominator of most most writers is that one time or another they were reporters. So I kind of said to myself, I said, well, if you get a job as a reporter, you know, you'll learn the basics of, you know, who, what, when, where, and why, and, you know, how to, how to sit down and construct a sentence and then construct a paragraph and then construct a chapter. So I went to work for my hometown newspaper in a little town called Gaston, Alabama. And I was there for five years, and then I was in Birmingham for three years. I was an investigative reporter, got nominated for a Pulitzer. And then uh, one day after and I covered in, in, in suburban Birmingham, they have the primary cities are Bessemer, Midfield, Fairfield, Town. They got a lot of, lot of little towns that are bedroom communities of Birmingham. So I had a, so a friend of mine one day he said, "Well, John, I said I don't want to see you anymore. I said I'm going to work for the National Enquirer." And at the time, I, I didn't I didn't really understand what he was talking about. I didn't know what he meant. He said he's talking about how, how good it's going to be and it's going to travel and make a lot of money and. And about a month later, they called me and wanted me to come to a tryout, so I ended up in the National Enquirer. And so from 1975 until the OJ trial in 1995, all I did was just travel and write stories for, you know, did celebrity scandal and how to get stains out of tablecloths and cornbread diets and, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the standard tabloid fare. How did you wind up with the news of the world in London, and then the city, Sydney Morning Herald, and then to NBC? Well, now I worked when I during the OJ trial. During the OJ trial, I worked. I worked. NBC Television was one of my biggest, one of my biggest, uh, one of my biggest clients. Um, when I was in LA, I was in LA. Let's see, I was in LA in the bathroom. 1979 till 1985, and I worked all kinds of celebrity stories, you know. And the celebrity stories now you can do a celebrity story for the United States, you know, you can sell it in the United States. There are syndication services overseas, and sometimes uh-huh. the syndication services they'll come directly to you to to sell the story rather than buying it through the syndication in the states. You know, the, a company like the National Enquirer, or the New York Times, and Chicago Tribune, the stories that their reporters create. They, they syndicate to other publications. Consequently, uh, a lot of times, a lot of particularly celebrity stories that I would do for as a freelancer in Los Angeles, I would turn around and sell them overseas. You know, I'd sell them to you know the big papers on Fleet Street. I'd sell them in France, sell them in Germany, sell them in Israel. Uh, and you know, there's there's uh, there, there's some good money in that. So you know, in in the process, I used to do. I used to buy scripts of, uh, of Beverly Hills 90210, uh-huh. and uh, because the the in Australia, in Australia they they were huge fans. I mean the Australians they love Hawaii 90210, and so what I would do is I would buy a script from a script of that week's show from somebody somebody's on the show in L.A., and then I would write a story and send it to Australia the day before the show comes out, so they would know what was going to be on. <laughs> I mean, there was a, I pissed a few people off, but you know, the, you know, they were always glad to the Sydney Morning Herald, and of course, even even the South China Post. You know, there's a lot of English readers at the South China Post that uh, that that I would that I would sell stories to. What made you, yeah. with all of your travels, 
What made you want, well, before we go there, during the O.J. Simpson trials, that, for those of us that were around, ladies and gentlemen, that was the biggest thing that happened since sliced bread. Well, since the Sharon Tate murders. And it was on television 24-7, right? Yeah, let, let me interrupt you, Yvonne. In, <clears throat> the O.J. trial, there is, I have never in my life seen another story like the O.J. trial because everything, almost anything you come up with would sell. It would sell even yep. in the United States. I mean, everybody wanted to hear anything about this. And I guess financially it was the best year I ever had. But, yeah, I mean, they, they say they, they, they talk about the, that a news event that has a lot of reporters there is a feeding frenzy. The O.J. trial was the, the greatest feeding frenzy in the history of the world. I've never never seen anything like it, and I will probably never see anything like the O.J. trial again. To say there was blood in the water is an understatement. There wasn't just blood in the water. It was, it, it was a massive overflow of blood. In the, the sharks not only circled, they <laughs> ate and gobbled and inhaled and everything else. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> Like you oh, yeah. said, I've never, never seen anything like it. Of course, of course. By the same token, by the same token, you know, in a lot of ways, the O.J. trial changed the course of American journalism because when the O.J. trial come along, all of the standard publications, you know, particularly the the, the Daily News, like uh, you know the L.A. Times, Chicago Tribune, you know, the New York Times, the New York Post, the Miami Herald. All the big newspapers, all of a sudden, they they realize what a, what a first, what a first that the American public had for 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 a story like the O.J. story. You know, you got drugs and sex and scandal and hatred and betrayal and disloyalty, deceit, blah 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 blah. And when the the major dailies saw that how much what of a hunger that the American public had for this kind of information. Then they started to slowly but surely run more and more and more of it, and then uh-huh. not only did the dailies start doing more and more, but television started running more and more and more stuff like the OJ, and consequently, as a result, as as the dailies and the television runs more and more scandal, it really hurt tabloids because people people could get could could, could get tabloid information on their television and in their daily newspaper, whereas before. They, they could only get it with the tabloids. So, in a lot of ways, the OJ trial hurt, hurt the hurt hurt the tabloids simply because that the uh, that, that, that that people that, that other other news outlets, you know, dailies and television, and of course the, the the vast spectrum of the internet, it all became it all became became free rather than having to buy. It. You know, when everybody yep. liked the OJ trial, everybody loved tabloid stories. You know, everybody did. And, and it and it brought and it brought about a change in American journalism, a lot of change that I don't think a lot of people ever really realize. And it also changed the um, the dynamic of news reporting because you went from oh absolutely, from absolutely. three stations absolutely. to twenty four seven CNN and Fox News right, and MSNBC. Right, absolutely. right, 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 right. And yeah, then you probably, went to probably, open trials. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, I was I was in the feed room for the for for for, for almost all of the OJ trial in my book in my book uh, uh, Thanks PG, which is which is a fictionalized which is a fictionalized memoir of my days with the tabloid with the tabloid newspapers. I mentioned that I mentioned that in there just just you know just how that how that how that the OJ the the OJ trial was probably the most seminal event in in journalism in the United States. In the entire century, you know, they, they had some in, in the early part of the century. They had the Lindbergh trial, and of course, they had a lot of different stories. But to my to my mind, the last fifty, the most seminal event in American journalism in the last fifty years of, of the twentieth century was the OJ, and, and then it changed. And, and, it changed. Not only changed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and and I was going to add to that, as opposed to the Lindbergh trial, OJ's was all in real time. You get to see the police chase, you get to see yes, the arrest, yes. you get to see the trial, you get yes. to see the crime scene, whereas the Lindbergh trial was all filmed at 11, so to speak. Yeah, it was all, all kind of circumstantial. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. And it, it forever yeah. changed the dynamic of of, of report of even ju- true journalistic reporting. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you. Let but let's I mean, run. <clears throat> let me run two ads real quick, and we're going to come back and and continue this conversation, ladies and gentlemen. This is off the chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest john isaac jones who is an author and we're talking journalism and we're talking books and we're talking all kinds of stuff so stay with us and we'll be right back because we've got a whole lot more to go do you have cougars on your porch swing our horse is your new best friend do your nicest shoes get buried knee deep in snow as your toes turn blue are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. Dot com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> you so silly. silly. You silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. And we are back. I'm Yvonne Mason. This is Off the Chain. And my guest tonight is author John Isaac Jones. And for those of you that are just joining us, he is a former reporter and we've been talking about his days in in the reporting madhouse and the feeding frenzy during the OJ trial. When when you were in the middle of all that insanity, and as as you step back years later, did it hit you at the time 
just how much the dynamic of investigative reporting and the feeding frenzy of reporters changed from that day. No, no, I didn't. You, you, it, it's strange, Yvonne, that you don't you don't recognize those things immediately. You kind of have to let them happen, and then you then you know kind of history and society and the tides of human affairs work on them, and that's when you realize it. Like I was saying, like I was saying after after the daily news, after the daily newspapers and television realized uh, how much that the public hungered for the kind of information that was in the OJ trial. They started running more and more those same, those kind of stories more and more and more and more and more, and consequently, like I say, it, it, it hurt. It hurt. Of course, I mean, print print publications going down the tubes anyway. But it, uh-huh. but it, it, it you, even 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 two or three years later, even two or three years later, I, the, the OJ trial was from October of '95 until the summer of uh, of '96, and. Even now, even now, sometimes when I look back at it, you know, you, you, you marvel at the at, 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 at just 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 what an explosive experience it was, not only from the standpoint of journalism, but from the standpoint of cultural history. You know, I mean, the, the, the people, more people watching the OJ trial than they were, you know, the soap operas. You know, I mean, it That's was just, right. it was it, because it, it, it was a real just, life this, this soap opera phenomenon, you know. Yeah, it was a real-life soap opera. Here you had this beloved sports figure that went from being one of the best NFL players in the league, and none could compare, still can't compare to him, to watching him run through airports as the juice in commercials and then watch his decline in a premeditated murder and to this day, there are people are still divided as to his guilt and innocence. Right, right, right. Very true. Very true. It it just it's mind boggling. And now it the that set the precedent for open trials. Uh, Jody Harris comes to mind. Casey Anthony comes to mind. Where you you sit there and you hear the testimony, and and because of mine and my husband's background, we're sitting there shaking our heads, going, "Why did the prosecution go down that road? Why right. why did the prosecution ask that question? Why did they not follow? Because that's our background. So it's amazing, like you say, how the dynamic of twenty four seven television has changed that we get things now that you can't get, sadly, in print. Well, number one, a lot of the journalists now can't even spell their own name, much less write a column that that you can understand when you read. And watching it in real time. I mean, now we see real-time school shootings. We we see real-time jailbreaks. We see real-time trials. It must be awful hard for for print journalists now to even try to do a story yeah it's uh you know media media particularly electronic media has become so pervasive in our society over you know the last well the last particularly the last 10 or 15 years it's been coming a long time since the days of personal computers but you know nowadays we have so many medias that, that are available to us that 
you know, sometimes we can't tell one from the other. Sometimes we can't, we don't know which media is the real media. You know, there's so many, each media, each media in its own way is a reality. And so consequently, sometimes we have so many realities come, being thrown at us that we can't always tell which one's real, you know. You are so right. Now, let's fast forward. How did this gentleman, this southern gentleman, starting out in Alabama, going out to the West Coast, get involved with the OJ trial, wind up... Now, ladies and gentlemen... Merritt Island is an hour and a half north of me. It's 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 a nice little community. It's it's beachfront. It's a sleepy little town. How in the world do you wind up on Merritt Island? Well, I came down here to visit some friends. Actually, I lived in South Florida for a long time. Uh, you know, the Enquirer is the home base. The world headquarters is Atlanta, which is a suburb of West Palm Beach. Yeah, and you know, I would uh, I, 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 when I first came here, I, I, I love Florida. I've always loved Florida, but in in 2012, I came down here to visit some friends, and they had a beach house down at Merritt Island. They asked me to go down there with them, and I just I don't know. I just I just love the white sand and the palmetto and the mangroves. You know, I just I just I, and, and you know I've been all over Florida. You know, but but I mean, I just I just I said, well, this is the place here, and and right now, right now, Yvonne, I'll never, I'll never leave Florida. I mean, there's no in in, in the month of May, there's no place on earth like Florida. You know, because uh-huh. in a day's time, you can get 15 different kinds of weather. You know, get five oh, different yeah. kinds of rain and seven different kinds of sunshine. And so, yeah, that's I I, I love Florida. I love Florida, and I particularly love the Treasure Coast, right along right along Merritt Island and just south of Titusville and. I, I I just love this part of Florida. Uh, well, speaking of Titusville, there's nothing like Dixie Crossroads. Oh yeah, right. Everybody in the world's heard of that place. You know, everybody <laughs> in the world knows, knows about the, the seafood the there. Best food I've ever put in my mouth. And I'm like you. When when I first came to Florida, my husband said, "Now you're either going to love it or hate it." He says, "If you hate it, I understand." He says, "Florida's not for everybody." Well, I took to it like duck to a water. Right. I'm from Georgia, lived in Georgia all my life, except for six months when I lived in Seattle. But like you, as soon as I came here and the Treasure Coast, that's where I live, I, I fell in love with it. The skies were bright, bright, eye-burning blue. The The air right. was clear. There was no smog. Right. Right. And I, I love it. I, I don't think I'll ever leave either because... It's in my blood now. Right. And speaking of blood, ladies and gentlemen, this man has written some of the most fabulous books. I downloaded two of his books. Two of his books today. One was a short story, and the other one is a collection of short stories. And when I started reading them, if I had not known that he was from the South, specifically Alabama. I would have figured it out in reading his stories because as I was reading his stories, I could relate to them. I, Even though I'm from Georgia, my ex-husband's family lived in Jackson County, Alabama, which is South Pittsburgh, um, um, 
Scottsboro, and right below that is Gadsden. And as I'm reading these stories, I am seeing these people in my mind, and they could have been some of my ex-husband's relatives. Absolutely amazing. How in the world did you come to write stories from Alabama and Annie? They were fabulous. I don't know. It, it, it's kind of it's kind of like when you grow up. What, what what's the old saying? Who was it? it? Used to say you can take the boy out of the country, but can't take the country out of the boy. Yep. You know when I when I grew up, I just I traveled all over. But you know, I wrote I wrote I wrote Alabama stories uh, probably nineteen ninety five nineteen ninety six. By then, you know, I'd travel all over the world and. You know, worked for newspapers and television and worked some of the biggest stories. I worked in New York. I worked in Miami. I worked in Washington. I worked four years in Washington with Carter. And finally, I just decided, you know, that, you know, I I, I just I just wanted to go back home again. You know, I just wanted to, I wanted to see a Sea Rock City sign. You know, I wanted to taste chicken and dumplings. And when I sat down and started writing it, all of that, all of that, all those memories of being a child growing up and, you know, being on a farm and being around farmers and being around country people and, you know, being around Southerners, I mean, down in dirty Southerners, you know. That, uh-huh. uh, and, and, you know, when you read Boone, when you read Boone, I mean, that, that, that story, that story is based, is, is, is the, the skeleton of the story is true um, about my mother. My mother undertook the care of this woman, this woman who, who was dying and, and, and that, the basis of that story is true. Of course, I embellished here and there and intensified and exaggerated over there. But uh, the, the basics of that story is true. But w- when you read those short stories, all of those stories are based on some reality in my life. One of those stories is based on – Annie is based on uh, on a true story of my, of my grandmother, my, my grandmother's rental houses. Boone is based on the story of my mother tending to this woman. Um a virtuous woman is based on my grandmother, and that's based on the true story that my grandmother had in a family fight with her sister. Um, so, so, so essentially, all of those short stories, there's 17 short stories in there, they all of them have some basis in reality, some, some, some origins in my, in my growing up years in Alabama. And, and, you know, even now I can sit down and read them, Yvonne, I can sit down and read them, and it's just like, it, you know, it's just it all happened yesterday. You know, it's just... But, well, but they, thanks, thank at, you very much for your. They're amazing. That's okay. They, well, thank you. When when thank, I was reading Annie, I could see the house. Now now, ladies and gentlemen, Annie is a an, Annie's an interesting character. I'm not going to tell you the story except that it involves a woman and two little boys, and an old house that's raised up off the ground in the middle of of hundreds of acres in BFE, Alabama. These little boys bite off more than they can chew, and I'm I'm reading this story, and I see these little boys, and they they think they're getting away with something, and in the end, it's more than they can handle. Now he he <laughs> talked about the virtuous woman. I'm reading that story, and I'm going, oh, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. And I kept reading, I kept reading, and then I got God smacked with the ending of it, and she was a whole lot smarter than they thought she was. (laughs) 
loved it. <laughs> and Boone broke my heart because my mother and father, if my father had lived, he would be ninety. He would have been ninety years old on June the third, and he's been gone to be three years this August. And he and my mother would have been married seventy years. My mother's now eighty-eight and in very bad health. And I'm reading Boone, John, and I'm thinking of my mother and my father. And if I cried easily, I would have been blubbering like an idiot because that short story is so true of in in old school married people that had that that deep abiding love and and everything was about the other person. My grandparents were that way. My mother, my father were that way. They. They took their vows very seriously, and they lived for each other. And and to read that story just broke my heart. Well, thank you. That's uh, yeah. I've had uh, I've had quite a few had had quite a few reviews of it, and probably <clears throat> probably if I thought I, I don't know I wrote I wrote a short story called Going Home about three years ago that uh, that that has won some prizes, but. But in my heart, in my heart, Boone is probably my favorite short story of everything I've ever written, of all the short stories. My novel, my, my favorite novel is either The Hand of God or maybe The Dove Spring Affair, but but Boone, Boone is, is in my heart my favorite short story. And it's, it's an, I've had, you, you brought that story to life so visually that I saw well, every you. action, I saw every emotion, I saw every broken heart i saw this little boy i saw the story through this child's eyes and people no y'all can't go now you've got to wait because we're going to get to another book that that is pretty close to my heart because it happened down here but when we get off from here go and get alabama stories because you will not be the same again i i promise you you outdid yourself, John. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you now liked let's, it. Yes, I did. Let's talk about the hand of God. Now, the, tell <laughs> tell the, the the listening audience about the this back story because it is an amazing <clears throat> story that just blew the state off the map because this couple was very well known. Yeah, that um, <clears throat> in uh, this happened in 1955. There was the in Palm Beach County, Florida. Uh, there was a drug, a, a judge, a circuit judge, a presiding circuit judge, whose name was Curtis Chillingsworth. And one night, him and his wife just disappeared. Nobody knew what happened to them. They were, and, and nobody had any clues as to what happened. They they were at their beach house at Manalapan, and they had gone. They had told their they had told their um, their kids and their friends that they were going to going to the beach for the weekend, and they just disappeared. No word was heard of them for something like five years. Now, in my in 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 my book, my book my my book deals with all this. What happened was was that. <clears throat> As presiding judge, he had reprimanded a local attorney in Palm Beach County, a man named Joe Peel. And he had told him that this guy had represented a man and a woman in a divorce case. 
he, he represented both. He, he represented both a man and a woman in the same murder case, which is unethical. You can't do that. You got to have separate lawyers. Anyway, he, the Judge Peel, Judge Chillingsworth reprimanded him for this, and so and the judge, Judge Chillingsworth, said, you know, said this is your last chance. If anything else like this happens, I'm going to disbar you. You're going to lose your you're going to lose your license to practice law in the state of, state of Florida. So he sends a young black man named Bobby Lincoln and this small-time criminal named Lucky Holzoffel, and they go to the back of the uh, they go to the back of the Chillingsworth Beach home. They're in Manalapan. Get them out of bed and put them on a boat. And <clears throat> they start out to the Gulf Stream with him. Now you know the Gulf Stream runs parallel to the par- parallel to the coast. So they start out to the coast with them. They've got they they've got both of them tied up, and so they get out there to the get out there to the middle of the Gulf Stream, and they get ready to kill them. So the woman, the woman, they put diving weights on her, and of course she's just a tiny little thing anyway. And so they put diving weights on her, and they just dump her over the side, and of course she dies immediately. <clears throat> but her husband, who also they have in the boat to kill, he jumps overboard. And and here they are. There, he he's a former navy, navy man, a former navy navy man, and he's swimming in the water. They put diving weights on him, but this man is this man is fifty six years old. He's swimming in the water. So they're chasing him in the boat, trying to kill him, and him swimming. They they get to him with the boat. They hit him in the head. They bloody his head, and they can't they they can't they can't kill him. And finally, they take a shotgun and kill him. And then of course he goes right down. <clears throat> And no, the, the, nobody ever knew about it until the the Holzoffel, the, the 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 man who was the ringleader of, of, of the whole thing, he, he started getting drunk, started talking, and when he did, the 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 truth started to come out, and the law got on to it. He wasn't he wasn't convicted until 19 and about 1961, although the incident occurred in 19, 1955. But there's some really some heart heart wrenching heart wrenching scenes. During the murder, because when they got ready, when they got ready to, when they got ready to kill her, they, they they put the diving weights on her and got ready to throw her overboard. And he said, "Remember, I love you." And when 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 they when they're throwing her in the water, he says, "I love you, I love you." And she goes down. It's really some heartbreaking scenes there. And while they're taking while they're taking Judge Chillingsworth and his wife out to the Gulf Stream to kill him, the boat breaks down. The boat the, the boat stops running, and the judge, for whatever reason. Tells them how to fix it, they, they, and, and they use his advice to fix the boat. And then they, after they fix the boat and go back out the Gulf Stream, the judge asks him. He says, "You still want to kill me after I helped you helped you fix the boat?" And he said, "She also said why." <laughs> the oh, this guy uh, Lucky Holes awful was a uh, was a cold blooded man. He, he had he had he had he had ice in his veins. This guy this guy Holes awful did. But he, uh, he, when he was convicted, he was convicted. Uh, he was convicted, I believe, in 1961, and he spent uh, something like 22 years up at Rayford. And then he got testicular cancer, and they let him go home. Uh, and he, his wife was in Titusville, and when they let him go home, um, he lived about three days because they they said the doctor said you know he hadn't got long, so they let him go home. And after he got home. He lived about three days. 
But he was, he was a cold-blooded man. I mean, I mean, a brutal. He was he was he was a killer's killer. This guy was, you know. I mean, he he could just he could he could smile and and, and blow you away. You know, it's the kind of man he was. You know. And didn't they finally tie that crime back to Peel? Yes, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Absolutely. They they because because after <clears throat> when Holzapel was in the Palm Beach County Jail before he was before he was sentenced before he was sentenced and sent to Rayford, he found out that Peel tried to smuggle a package of cigarettes to him, which was laced in cyanide, and that's when. That's when he turned against Peel and turned state's evidence and 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 told the state that yes, that Peel Peel is the Peel is the guy that wanted me to kill him and Peel paid him ten thousand dollars to to kill these two to kill the judge and his wife. But yeah, and then and then Peel was convicted. He was given two life sentences because he was responsible for two deaths. And then he was kind of like Holzapel. His they gave him they gave him two life sentences and I think he was in jail something like sixteen or seventeen years. And then he went, but when he he got so sick, they let him go home. And then I think he lived nine days after he got home. He, he of course, by then his life was in the shambles. You know, he had this he had this beautiful wife and this beautiful home and and this 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 luxurious lifestyle. And uh, but I mean, his entire world collapsed. You know, after he was convicted of murdering the children of, of the children's worth. That was Curtis and uh, and Marjorie. His wife's name is Marjorie. That been married for something like he. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Continue. No, he was. He had those two had been together. Curtis, Curtis, and his wife Marjorie. <clears throat> she was two years younger, and she both of them are members of prominent legal families in West Palm Beach, and uh, they had been they had been together. Oh gosh, I mean, ever since they were, you know, she, he he was two years younger. She, they got married when she was seventeen, and he was something like twenty or something like that. But I mean, these two had been together, you know, for, you know, for you know, for twenty years. Uh, he had been he had been a circuit judge in Palm Beach County for thirty two years at the time. He was elected. He was first elected to the bar uh, when he was twenty four, and the next year he was elected as a county judge, and then two years later he was a circuit judge. And at the time that, that Holzapel and Bobby Lincoln killed him and his wife, he had been a presiding circuit judge in Palm Beach County for 32 years. So he had quite he, – he was the foremost the format, foremost legal mind in Palm Beach County at the time. And, and the what moment, is so, the, what's so sad is Peel really thought he was going to get away with it. And yeah, right, 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 right. Of course, I mean that's normal the way it is with a cold-blooded killer. You know, they, they, they think they're going to get away with it, but you know, justice catches up with them inevitably. You know. Well, what drew this case? Drew you to this case to write the hand of God? <clears throat> when, when I was in that in 1975, I was working for the Birmingham News, and I was offered a job with the Inquirer. Uh, which is based in Lantown, Florida, which is a suburb of West Palm Beach. And when I was doing my tryouts for the Inquirer, there was a kind of a kind of a tourist magazine in the hotel there. And in the tourist magazine was the story of the Chillingsworths. And I remember reading that story about how that these two men, these two men took this took this old couple out and just brutally murdered them. About how that. How that you know that the, the, they killed her very easily, but they they thought that they thought they thought Chillingsworth they fought him for thirty or forty minutes because 
you know, he was a Navy man. He could swim. And, and when they, they thought when they put those diving weights on his legs, they just tore him overboard and he'd sink. But he didn't. He was swimming. He was swimming with his diving weights on him. And they chased him with a boat and tried to hit him with a paddle and finally finally shot him with a shotgun and, and he went under. But I remember at the time, Yvonne, I, I, I was just so fascinated by this story, you know. I was just so fascinated by the story because of the, the, the start. The, the the stark reality of taking this old couple and killing them like they were just you know a couple of couple of dogs you know it was just it, uh-huh. it, it stuck with me you know it, it, it it's really a fascinating story you know. Well, the the sad part is we lost a brilliant judge. Who knows what else he could have done with his life? Oh, absolutely. Because of absolutely. of greed, and that's what it was on Peel's part was just greed and utter. Criminal. He was a criminal-minded person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Of course, he uh, he he paid for it dearly. I mean, his his entire life, his entire life was was in shreds by the time you know his trial was over. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his home. He lost everything he ever had when he was uh, when he was about ready. When he when he was at Rayford, after he had served about fifteen years, he, of course his wife had divorced him. And he had he had been he had been corresponding with his ex wife's niece, who had been a bridesmaid at his wedding, and he was due he was due they they tried to get married when 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 the state judicial system let him out of prison to go home to die, they were, he was going to marry his niece who was something like. I don't know, twenty five, thirty years younger than he was, but it never happened because he was too sick for he was too sick for, to pull it off. But but yes, I mean yes, I mean he 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 paid he paid uh, he paid dearly for killing that old couple. He he paid dearly for it. He, he had no life after it was over. Of course, neither did Holzapfel. But I mean, Holzapfel right. in some ways it was was you know Holzapfel. His name was Lucky. Lucky Holzapfel was. Was 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 a cold-blooded killer. I mean, he could just kill you for nothing. Now, Peel was—he was more diplomatic. He was an attorney, you know. He would try to—he'd try to try to sway you before he blew you away. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a white-collar crime, you know. He was and a white that brings—that brings me full circle to the fact that um, you have a, a thing that you wrote called "Writing Part One," and and you state that when you see something or read something that strikes a chord, write it down. Oh, because absolutely. Because you never absolutely. know. That's right. The main the main thing, any good writer, any good writer knows to be constantly, constantly on the lookout for good story ideas. And, and you, you, you never know when they're going to come, but if you're looking for them, you'll find them. Uh-huh. I, 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 one of the short stories I wrote was uh, uh, the old Indian was was, was about about a forty page short story that I was at my aunt's funeral three years ago in uh, in Alabama and we were uh, after the services we were all having dinner and I talked to uh, I talked to one of my daughter's friends and he just in one line he gave me he just said something that. Got got a forty page short story out of it. So if you're a good writer, I mean, if you if you, if you want to write, you should always be on the lookout for good good story ideas because they 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 are few and far between. There's a lot of stories out there, but there's only a few good ones. And and you have to be willing to sometimes 
hunt for the little nuggets, or and it Absolutely. doesn't even have to be a sentence. It can just be one word or two That's words. right. That's right. That's the way this was. That's the way it was with 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 the old Indian. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Well, what do you have coming down the pike? Well, <clears throat> at the moment, I'm still I'm still selling some paperbacks. I still sell some audio books. I'm, I'm probably probably the best sales of all the different media I'm I'm selling. You know, the audio books are selling best. I sell the paperbacks are pretty good. Ebooks are okay for. For the last, probably the last two months, I've been converting my novels into screenplays. Now, my romance novel, The Duck Springs Affair, is now is now being hawked at L.A. as a screenplay. At the moment, I am developing I am developing The Hand of God as a screenplay. In fact, uh, I'm just just about halfway through it right now. Uh, I've discovered this software. Up this kind of Canadian company that really makes writing a screenplay easy. You know, that mm. just, I can remember trying to write screenplays in the eighties, and I mean it was just maddening. But I mean this software, this new software I've discovered, just makes it. I mean it's child's play. If you got if you got the ideas, I mean formatting and you know dialogue and character and parentheticals and scene headings and all that, it's 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 really a breeze with this new software. This new software I found it's really. I'm really fortunate to have found this software, but yeah, I'll, so but, you, but I'll get back. You know, books are, books are my first love, Yvonne. Uh, you know, you know, I, I can write screenplays, but but books are my first love. So you know, I'll be back. I'll be back to writing fiction. I've still got, you know, ten or twelve books in me. I, I probably won't live long enough to write all of them, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll get most of them written. You know. Well, I hope so because I found a new fa- one of my new favorite authors. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, if you have not yet read. John Isaac Jones, and when this show's over, go and download or even order the paperbacks because this man is absolutely amazing. That's not even the right word. There are no words to describe his writing. He not only sets you in the story, you become part of the story. You become the characters in the story. You see the story through their eyes. You fall in love with them or you grow to hate them depending on if they're the protagonist or if they're the villain i mean it's just john i love your work well thank you thank you very much thank you also you're not going to believe this but our hour's almost up the time has absolutely flown by but what i want you to do first of all don't hang up when the show goes dark because i got some things for you. But before then, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show tonight and, and sharing your story with us. It, I've just been fascinated listening to you. And second of all, tell the folks where you can be found. Well, you can, you can find me. You can, find, you can go to Amazon. You can find all my books there. You can find uh, I've, got a total of, uh, I've got a total of 26, 26 books there. There is, uh, there is six or seven novels, a book of short stories, and the rest of them are novellas. There's five or six novellas, and the rest of them are individual short stories. Uh, and you can, you can go to BookBub. You can buy them. You can buy them on Barnes & Noble's website. Uh, but but I mean but primarily audible audible if you like audio books uh twenty there's twenty of them twenty of my books are on audible um and a lot of people a lot of people uh they like to they like to listen rather than read so consequently i've 
I've I've I've been doing pretty well with those lately. I've been doing pretty well with those lately. But yeah, just go well, to Amazon. Just 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 go to Google and type in John Isaac Jones, and you'll 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 see all of them there. And I know I'm going to get the hand of God in Audible for my husband. He can't read anymore, so I bought him a Kindle, and I get I download him Audible books. So if you're if the hand of God is on Audible, I am definitely downloading that for him because he was working with the state attorney's office up here in the 19th Judicial Circuit when this crime happened. Right, right. Your husband so, was an attorney. Yeah, so he, he was a he was an investigator for him. So. Um, this this will be right up his his wheelhouse. I have a question. Will you come back and visit with us? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I want you to put me down again for for about November. Okay. You uh, when, got next it. time you got next time you got an opening because uh, I, I, I enjoyed this, Yvonne. I've enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. You are. Thank you for spending the hour with me because you are a very busy man, and I just I appreciate your patience and thank you for for waiting and and being here tonight. It, it's very humbling, ladies and gentlemen. There are things that I say at the end. Oh, he can also be found on Facebook, ladies and gentlemen, under John Isaac Jones. I suggest you go and friend him after the show goes dark. Don't go now. Just wait. Because there's some things that I always say, and one of those things that I say is people will forget your name. They'll forget what you look like. They'll forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. And my prayer is that every one of you, listener and guest alike, understand that you are the most important person in the room. Without y'all, this show would not be what it is today. It would not be as successful. It would not be as well-known. It would not be because I could sit here and talk all day long and nobody would care. Y'all are the ones that make the show important, and I am so grateful and humbled about it. And I I hope you understand that my intent is, is to make you feel like you're the most important person in the room because you are. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, there is an old adage that if you want to achieve greatness, stop asking permission because nobody's going to give it to you. If you want to achieve greatness, and I'm not talking about even being the President of the United States or the Queen of England, I'm talking about greatness within yourself. I'm talking about being successful within yourself. Don't ask permission. Just go out and do it. Do like John did. If if the path you're on is not your path, change the path. Don't be afraid to change the path. But it's not the destination that that is the the end goal. It's the journey that we take. So if you are waffling in in the current occupation or the occupation you're headed to, it's not what you want. Don't be afraid to change it. Because I'm going to tell you, you will be miserable if you don't. Right, John? That's correct. That's correct. Very true. So change your path. Make a different path. And understand that it's your journey. You're the one that's taking it, not not someone else. There are other people that go on the journey with you, but it's not their journey. It is your journey, and we're all on a journey. Every one of us are on a journey. So make your journey the best it can be because we only go around once in life. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you for tuning in. We will be here again tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time with yet another wonderful guest. So join us. Look up John on Facebook, on Amazon. Get his books because they're wonderful. 
And until tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, I am your host, Yvonne Mason, here at Off the Chain with my guest, John Isaac Jones. And we want to wish you all a wonderful, wonderful evening. Stay safe, stay well, and love each other and yourself. And with that, we say good evening. Thank you, Yvonne. You're quite welcome. All right, we're off the air. The, the show is now in the archives, part of the show, and everything we say is going to show up in the archives, sort of like the outtakes of the movies. But what I wanted to tell you is once the show archives, I'm going to put the link on my Facebook page, and I'm going to tag you in it. And that okay. is one of my gifts to you. You take the show and you I'm spread sorry. it everywhere. Well, thank Tomorrow, you. Thank you very much now. You, you are welcome. Tomorrow it goes up on SoundCloud and Spreaker YouTube, iTunes, YouTube, iTunes, YouTube, podcast.com, podcast garden, fm.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify. So when I put it please, up, would you please put ahead. me down for for another appearance in about November when you have another opening? Absolutely, I will absolutely do it with with happiness. Because I have enjoyed okay. tonight Thank so much, and you're you going to be much. heard Thank in over. You are welcome. You're going to be heard in over 200 countries when I put it up on all the podcasts, and when I put the okay, podcast good. up, I will send you. I will put the link up on my page and tag you in it as well. All of my Facebook posts are integrated to Twitter, so it automatically goes up on Twitter. It okay. also goes up on. Right, it goes up on Google Plus. It goes up on Tumblr. It goes up on Read It. So you're going to be seen and heard everywhere. Okay, good. Good, thank and you. And you, you can share it with your network, and let's let's get you in some places you might not be heard before. And, yes, I will add you to the November schedule because there were books we didn't even touch on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And so okay, then I, I, look, I, look forward, I look forward to the next time, Yvonne. All right, my dear. So um, I will I will send you a note as as to the date in November, and thank okay. you once again for spending an hour with me, John. It was a pleasure. And thank you for spending an hour with me, Yvonne. All right, thank my dear. You. And I will also send you the information for uh, the Space Coast Book Lovers event too. Okay. All right. Great. 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 I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, all right, my darling. We'll talk later. All right. Take care, Yvonne. Thanks again. Uh Bye-bye. Bye-bye.